Hey, this is Jane Oss, one of the co-hosts of Batting Around. Uh, I was sick while they recorded this episode, which is a fantastic interview with Brian Ruby, a singer-songwriter in Nashville, and he was the first out-of-the-closet professional baseball player. Filling in for me this week is Rachel Colst of the zine and newsletter Rainbow Rodeo, which focuses on pure country music. Uh, Rachel's a huge baseball fan, and if you're in our Discord, you've definitely seen her chatting in there. Um, I'd also like to say right here at the top of the episode that now with MLB's baseball season beginning, uh, now's a great time to sign up for our show's Patreon. Uh, You get some great perks, bonus episodes, access to a patrons-only section of our Discord, and you get to join the host of the show for monthly watch-along parties where we watch a game or a baseball movie together. Um, They're a ton of fun. We just had a great episode talking about Pride Nights that was really, really funny. You're not going to want to miss it, and it's for patrons only. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we have to, we do have to monetize the show to keep it running. The Patreon helps us not only keep the proverbial lights on when it comes to expenses, but also keeps us advertising and editorially independent. That is, at least until Double Scorpio or Pig Sweat gets back to us with the poppers endorsement. So go to patreon.com slash batting around to sign up and enjoy the interview with Brian Ruby. Welcome back to Batting Around. It's Batting Around. It's a baseball podcast. I am not Jane Aust. Unfortunately, Jane is sick today, so it's me. It's Steven. I'm filling in for her. And with me, as always, is Lauren. You didn't even ask if I wanted to do the intro. I I gave you a minute. I was there. There was there was there was a pause. Did you want to do the intro, Lauren? Are we going to do we want to no, rewind? No, I just wanted you to ask. I just wanted you to appreciate to take my feelings into account. And you didn't. That's OK. We're off to a great we're off to a great start. <laughs> Please don't let me throw. Don't let me throw you off. Don't let me throw you off. Well, Please continue. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a tough job that Jane does every week. I'm already I'm, I'm thrown off already. Anyway, um, filling in for Jane on the third mic, we have music journalist and batting around discord favorite uh rachel klost welcome rachel uh, it's rachel klost oh god i'm so sorry <laughs> it's okay it happens all the time this is why we have jane on the show She's you literally <laughs> you literally sent me the pronunciation and i fucked it up i'm sorry oh, the autocorrect might have messed it up we're we're doing yeah. great we're it's doing okay. absolutely great <laughs> um welcome rachel to this shit show <laughs> really excited to have you and really excited to have a very special guest on here, out professional baseball player and country singer-songwriter, Brian Ruby. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for having me on. Did I get everything? (laughs) You got it. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) You wear a lot of hats. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's, the thing uh, in in kind of learning more about you, learning about your story, I was very surprised. You've been all all over the world to play baseball. You've done all these different things. You're involved in so many different things. I'm not even really sure where to start. Um, probably because it's a baseball podcast, it makes sense to start there. I like I think- baseball. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're we famously discuss baseball on this baseball podcast. Yeah, hell or high water, we sometimes manage. Yeah, maybe that's a good place to start. You've been playing all your life. You're you're playing professionally in the uh, in, in independent league. Uh-huh. What um, it, was it like a lifelong passion from as soon as you were born? How did you kind of follow through throughout the course of your life? Yeah, I've been playing for a while. My dad was a is a high school baseball coach 
former college coach. So he he's he's baseball nut, you know, in a good way. Um, and I I had a foam little foam wiffle ball bat in my hands <laughs> from a pretty early age, and so there was pretty much no shot that I wasn't going to be a I think it was a double negative wasn't going to be a baseball basically I was going to be a baseball player so I've <laughs> been doing it for I don't know I'm 27 two two decades the greater part of two decades <laughs> every spring it's baseball season still going this is likely my uh, I haven't officially announced a retirement yet but um likely my last season like playing I'm definitely transitioning more to music stuff I'm I'm going to be playing later this summer um for a, a team overseas just in some tournaments Ooh, mm-hmm. so, which team is that um, it's a team called the globetrotters no re- relation to the harlem globetrotters <laughs> through an organization called baseball jobs overseas uh, mm-hmm. kind of helping to grow the game internationally it helps to bring um american guys over to different countries i've been able to i, I was got linked up with them in 2019 and have been able to play over in uh, Europe and South America and Latin America, winter ball south of the border and, and, you know, a bunch of different places as well as independent ball here in the U S. So um, I'm definitely like, I, I always say this, you know, I'm a journeyman baseball guy and not somebody who's making millions of dollars playing in on TV at night, <laughs> but uh, definitely just somebody who, who loves to play. And <laughs> is, I'm very grateful to have played as, as long as I have. And to still be going. I love that just because uh, that kind of thing is, is such a throwback yeah. to like what a baseball originally was in like the barnstorming days. Yeah. Except in, instead of doing it in like Wyoming, you get to do it in uh, in Germany and, and Peru and shit. It's it's a yeah. little bit cooler, I think. <laughs> I I don't know. I've been. I mean, I've been out to Oregon. I've, I've played. I I don't know how many states. Probably most of them. But I, I mean, I have played those games kind of out there in the U.S. But. Yeah, I think we're sitting at seven countries so far. <laughs> yeah, we're we're as a collective podcast, we we got uh baseball, we got global baseball fever from the World yes. Baseball Classic. And it is terminal. Recently. And we always <laughs> it is terminal. Most baseball uh contagions yeah. are terminal. <laughs> but like we also just like we love exploring the other parts of baseball outside of major league baseball. Obviously, I'm 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 kitted out in Phillies gear for those who cannot see because I am uh, hitting up Dollar Dog Night later today. So we are Major League Baseball fans, but we like to explore, you know, baseball in its other forms because MLB is not the only thing out there. And and the more that we get away from that sort of like default, the better, because then we can enjoy things like other like leagues overseas and cool little yeah. independent leagues yeah there's so much out there that's what i've and i honestly i would have mm-hmm. never known this if i didn't get looped in with baseball jobs overseas there's so many different leagues out there we saw it with the world baseball classic the czech team from the czech mm-hmm. republic mm-hmm. making a run and it's like all these guys who are electricians and like plumbers by trade right are like striking out shohei otani and <laughs> and playing on the world stage and I, actually the team that i'm going to be suiting up for is actually going to be playing against them oh they, hell oh, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> summer so we're gonna you know see if i can get a hit off the guy who 
struck out Shohei, but yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be one degree away from Shohei. That's exciting. Yeah, well, I'm pretty far away from Shohei. All the time. <laughs> yeah, like I said, just a journeyman guy. But uh, there, seeing baseball grow around the world has really been cool to be a part of and participate in, and something that I'm passionate about too. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine any kind of travel like that, I think has a big influence on someone, both like as a baseball player is, is your broader as, as a, a, just a human being with a lot of uh, complex aspects of your identity. Um, yeah, and also def- somebody who's spending a lot of time in locker rooms all over the world. Are there, has that shaped you in, uh, broadly speaking? Definitely traveling, you know, getting to live in different places for long periods of time. And it's also given me a, an appreciation of, being in the U.S., like, you know, being in, taking a bus down the coast of South America, like, overnight, it's packed full of people and no air conditioning and, you know, then sleeping on a little tiny mattress on the floor in a little concrete house with a tin roof. It's like, you know, it's, it's, I'm very appreciative of, you know, some of the things that we take for granted here to have a roof over my head and to have be doing things that I love to do both in baseball and music and, you know, to, um, to be able to live my life authentically the way I want to live it. And that's a, that's a big one, especially compared to some of the places that I've been. And, you know, so it's, it's definitely shaped me and it's, it's also good songwriting material. Oh, I bet. bet. Yeah. So there's these, there's these two, you got the baseball and you got the music when obviously you, you said that you, you started the baseball like really early. You've been playing for decades. Uh, how'd the music come into play? Same thing. I mean, I had an old guitar as a kid, like a, it was a, my dad's, he was, didn't really play. It was like one that he had for a while, 1982 Kramer, just bizarre guitar. I thought it was worth something until I, took it in and they were like, yeah, we could give you like $75 for it. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm keeping, I'm, it has more sentimental value than $75. But um, I played uh, a little bit of piano as a kid. And then I really loved country music because it's always on around the ballpark. And that was the environment that I grew up in. Definitely. I cold called my local country radio station as a kid and well, as a high school kid and got an internship and didn't do <laughs> anything important, but got to be around music really for the first time and, and learned what a songwriter was. I didn't even know what a songwriter was. I didn't know that there are people who actually write songs for the artists that you hear on the radio and Spotify and everything. And I thought all artists write their own songs. I didn't know you could actually do that. So I, I decided to, after the, baseball season in 2019 moved to Nashville. So it's in the, for the off season. So it's been about three and a half years, parts of the three and a half years in Nashville. It's very much my home now. Um, I feel like a music city resident and that I've been writing songs mostly for other artists. Um, a lot of Texas country, um, a lot of LGBTQ artists, you know, who either live in Nashville or come through Nashville looking for songs and, and recently been releasing some of my own too. Nashville is such a hub for all that too. And, but it's also like kind of a, like a, one of those towns you always hear is like a really sleepy, great baseball town. Like I know the sounds have had a, had like a really long history and they're like, I think we saw this year that their attendance was like triple that of the Oakland athletics for opening yeah. game or something oh, no. like that. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you're involved in those efforts too to kind of bring bring more baseball to Nashville. I am. I'm a community advisor for the Nashville Stars, which is a and a future major league baseball team, as they like to say. <laughs> um, maybe you know it's probably going to be a few years down the line, but uh, a, a group of executives led by Dave Stewart to who's working to try to bring a major league baseball team to Nashville. Now it would either have to be an expansion team. I know that the commissioner Rob Manfred has said that publicly that they're trying to, they want to eventually expand to 32 teams from 30, which is the number they're currently at. Um, Or it could be a relocated team, which would probably either have to be Tampa or Oakland, but there's talk of Oakland going to Vegas maybe. So I think it'll probably be an expansion team once Oakland and Tampa get resolved. Tampa's working on their stadium situation as we speak. So <laughs> probably an expansion team, but but we want to bring a major league team to Nashville. It's a thriving city. I'm a community advisor. I do different events with them occasionally. You know, it's very much a part part time thing, and and um, because it's they're not officially a team yet, but um, they have interest and. Mm-hmm. Nashville, the booming city, has predators from the NHL, uh, the Titans, football, you know, and so it's it's ready. You know, we can we we got like we're ready for a major league team. And I, I, I want to be a big part of it when it comes. I think there is like a lot about baseball and country music that goes hand in hand. And I, I don't think it's just the Americana kish, you mm-hmm. know, sort of factor. Um you know, I think there's a lot of country artists who are genuinely um, and Americana, Americana artists who are genuinely baseball fans. And, you know, it goes both ways uh, as we dissect England's music choice in the discord. Why do you think they lend themselves to each other? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> big question. Um, well, baseball's America's pastime, as everybody likes to say. So, you know, it's 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 just something that. um when you, when I think of baseball, I, I think of not only what I do every day, but sort of it has deep roots in our country and like where we came from. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it was, uh, I don't know, you can get it in into you can dive into baseball history with like who invented it and everything, but it's more just like a feeling, and and for some reason, like that's just the the music that appears every so often like around that environment and it's like it feels right country music feels right for baseball so it's it's um and there's plenty of good country songs that are upset in a baseball environment or about baseball or using baseball references so it's like it, it keeps showing up it it lends itself to each other and it kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy why they tie together i don't know if i don't know what do you i mean you're a music journalist what do you think <laughs> you probably know better than me honestly like you know i guess i hadn't really thought about the answer to that question i don't know i think there's something about the tempo right that sort of speaks to both of them mm-hmm. you know football i'm sure there are football country music songs i just don't listen to that type of country music nor do i care much about football uh i'll do respect to those who do um but i think both uh, lend themselves so much to narrative. And right. I think that's really like what you come to Roots music. I 
want to make it broader than country um, for and also for queer artists. I think that's also why the genre can be really powerful. So I could ask questions about, you know, being well, see, queer in both a, of that's these. That's exactly uh, why you yeah. are a music journalist and why yep. I think <laughs> yeah. I'm so, that was a good answer right there. I, I, do, <laughs> I, do have a, I do have a little answer as well, if I could just quickly yeah. add mine. Yeah. They're both things get better when you're drinking a beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's also very valid. Especially if it's mediocre. It took me because my brain went completely blank for a second when I realized that the Nashville baseball stadium MLB team would have the best concessions in the country by like a mile. Mm, yeah. Hot chicken. Yeah. Hot chicken. Tennessee barbecue. ribs. Yep. And, you know, Jack Daniels and <laughs> they're, they're, uh, the Savannah bananas are playing in Nashville this summer. Oh, oh fuck. When? What uh, <laughs> I, oh, I was laughing the other day, one of my old teammates from, indie ball in the past couple of years is is one of the main pitchers for their their rival team and he's like mm-hmm. somebody who's so not not like a social media guy mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they've been posting about him and he's just blown up on social media <laughs> just funny it's like an accidental blow up but it's, it, they've been really fun to watch as well i'm sorry rachel i cut cut off your question early no it's okay i was gonna start asking about like being queer in both of those worlds but it we can we have time for that, so we can go to that later. Okay. Um, the people had other things they wanted to ask. It's, I have a baseball question I wanted to ask. Hell yeah, let's um, hear it. All right. So in all of your travels and in all the different teams you've played in, like, um, I think as a as a fan base, we are really interested in the giveaways and the promo <laughs> nights. <laughs> and uh, you know, our hosts giveaways. here just had a Patreon uh, exclusive episode about all the Pride Night giveaways. So like. In general, like, how do players feel about giveaways? You know, I'm just curious, like, is it something y'all even notice or are you just more focused on, like, playing? And what are some of, like, the weirder ones? <laughs> well, I tend to be, um, because I'm in lower level mm-hmm. pro ball, there are not as luxurious giveaways where I play <laughs> versus, like, Yankee Stadium. <laughs> oh, but that's more fun. Yeah. yeah, so ours are definitely more bizarre. In, in independent ball for the um, like for the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes um, in Oregon, and we had a a guy who would dress up as a roof man who would run up to the roof of the stadium wasn't that big, we could hold a couple thousand people, and just toss stuff off the roof <laughs> <laughs> onto into the stands, and the kids would be like running after it, and we. Um, that was fun. They also have um you ever seen like those people, those those giant bubbles? Like people oh, sure. in a pit basically people have like a bubble fight in the middle like <laughs> that the, inside the bubble and they're like it's like jousting. I that, love shit it's, like it's that. It's not a giveaway. It's just like uh, it's like like add-ons to get people to the ballpark. It's they're all in the same yeah. category. Like yeah. I went to uh It's hustle, yeah. I was so mad. I went to a Wilmington Blue Rocks game last year and they've got an anthropomorphic celery mascot <laughs> that is different okay. from their normal mascot. Their their normal uh-huh. mascot is something else, but they've got a celery guy who like comes out and runs around whenever a Blue Rock hits a home run. Uh-huh. And they never hit a fucking home run. I didn't yeah. get to see Mr. <laughs> celery. Well, that's why that's why you got to keep showing up. That's, that's how they get you. That's how they yeah. get you. 
I don't know. I'm always a sucker for like the Philly fanatic, like streaking across the. Oh outfield. yeah, he uh, he he dressed in drag uh, for opening weekend. He did Rihanna. Okay. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> The Super Bowl performance? Yeah, yeah it sure was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another personal favorite, I was just thinking about it, Um, and it speaks to the flavor of baseball south of the border, mm-hmm. uh, just the noisemakers. Oh, God, like, yeah. When I play baseball in Latin America and South America, it's very much a different brand mm-hmm. of baseball. It's like a louder, um, kind of exciting, like everybody, it's just – it's mm-hmm. just more intense. They get more into it. So that's not not exactly a giveaway. I guess people just bring their own noisemakers. Yeah, um, that's the, the, the like the uh, the Cuban fan at, in the WBC yeah. with like the car oh, yeah. horn. <laughs> the one the one guy. I, I generally love that kind of stuff and love the noisemakers and the atmosphere, but I, I wanted to kill that guy so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because like I would wake up at six and just like throw my TV on and just like kind of stay in bed trying to, you know, ease into waking up by listening to the game. Uh, yeah. And that <laughs> just like yeah. constantly really, like, all right, get this guy out of here. But no, I, I do. I love, I love the different energies on uh, like with baseball in different places. Like I, I think, I think we, uh, we collectively came down on like, it's just good that it's different places. It doesn't need to like one way doesn't need to be better than the other. Like, yeah. um, I, I, I would like, you know, a little bit more energy at a major league baseball game sometimes, but, uh, like, yeah, I, I think they're trying to do that with like some of the rule changes with the pitch clock and with the, you know, they're trying to make the bases like a little bit bigger to emphasize base stealing. And I love the people are starting to do like, counting down with the pitch clock when like the opposing <laughs> pitchers on the mound and if they're like getting close um that is a really fun fan element to the rule changes that i hadn't considered until i like saw it in action and i was like "Ooh, this is really cool yeah, <laughs> yeah phillies fans are gonna love the opportunity to, to taunt anyone oh i was i was looking at the pitch clock I, I, i've been at two games so far i was looking at the picture pitch clock the entire time for like the ability to do that because ooh, ooh, <laughs> yes, participation. Get in the other pitcher's head. Exactly. You'll get there. You'll, there'll be there'll be so many more opportunities for you to figure out ways to bully people based on slightly larger bases. I have full confidence in you and your fan base. <laughs> Hell yeah. Truly really making it a spectator sport. We are mm-hmm. we are um artisans in the art of sports <laughs> bullying. <laughs> oh yeah. Billy. And you're the, yeah, you're we talked box. about this a little bit off mic, but you're from the area. I am. Hell I'm yeah. Pennsylvania native. I uh, grew up as a Phillies fan. You know, uh, my favorite players growing up were uh, Jim Tomey. Mm-hmm. I wore number 25 in college because of Tomey. That's um, awesome. My dad always told me, look at Tomey because he's he's a guy that plays the game the right way, a good character guy. And I, so I always watched him um, and Chase Utley as well. And Excellent. Good. Correct. Podcast right, <laughs> favorite. Of, Right-handed throwing, lefty hitting guys were kind of like because that's that was me. I'm a switch hitter, but I uh, not in life, but in baseball. <laughs> Damn, you beat me to it. <laughs> but um, I uh, always idolized those guys growing up, and and I was there in 08 
in the World Series with my dad and with my sister and my little brother. Fuck um, yeah. And it was a really like a formative experience. I was also there in 09, which wasn't as fun. Let's but... not talk about that one. <laughs> Still good. Someday we'll have a guest on who's not in some way from Pennsylvania. I believe it'll happen someday. <laughs> uh, well, I went to college um, at, at Haverford, so also sort of in uh, Montgomery County. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I was like physically. We are present. legion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and actually, my sister went to Vassar and we're twins. So, you know, she really? was <laughs> she was there and I was there. So we have this double connection, Brian. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We, we need to talk about this off mic because yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about your playing time at Vassar. Um, it was good. I, I transferred there. I was going to school in Georgia before, um, but I transferred there. I ended up getting a, um, a vocal scholarship. So I was the only... <laughs> The only country singer to, to get the vocal scholarship. <laughs> That's for sure. It was like I went into the audition and there's a bunch of people singing la la la. Mm-hmm. I can get opera <laughs> more dressed much nicer than me. I just walked in like normal in boots and jeans and sang a country song. And luckily, the person who was judging was from Georgia. So she took pity on me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ended up, I was there for, um, for three years and you know um, definitely a formative experience and the school is definitely not known as being a hotbed for baseball players but I was I loved my time there and was very proud that we made the conference tournament two of my three years there so good memories oh yeah and actually I'm going back there um, at the end of the month to sing the national anthem for um, the players that were first years when I was a senior um, they're now because of COVID, because some of them had to, we took off a year because of COVID. Some of them are seniors now. So it's the, my last sort of connection. And I'm going to do a little send off for them on senior day. That's really sweet. Oh, oh, that's cool. You got the high notes practice for the, for the anthem. I do a very chill, low version of it. Like I don't need oh. to be like Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey <laughs> or Fergie, the land of the furry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've seen that video uh look it up if you haven't but uh, i do a chill version so i i saw you did it at dodger stadium that was my first one how that was, was that that was <laughs> quite a place to do a first one and it was um that game was uh max scherzer's three thousandth strikeout game yo so, that rules yeah it was it was cool i got to meet go on the field like before met um Dave Roberts and and Trevor Ariza from the Lakers was there and uh, the mm-hmm. the Dodgers um, front office and ownership made a point out of being very friendly to me and welcoming me because I had just come out publicly and so they wanted to show you know that they support LGBTQ inclusion in baseball which was greatly appreciated and uh, if you watch the video I would not recommend watching that one I would say watch one of my more recent ones cuz that was my first one and I was a little nervous and I was not as practiced of a singer as I am now so I- I've gotten better but it was a cool first one yeah biggest venue in baseball <laughs> yeah 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 I know oh I know I was I was trying not to look at the people just trying to think of the words <laughs> cuz <'Cause- laughs> Well, it was before the third inning, so there could have been that many people there. Probably, <laughs> you're right. L.A. They roll in nice and late. You know, that's that's the vibe out there. 
No, that's really cool. That it's, it's um, you went from faster to uh, minor league baseball, and you actually, I, I noticed in in, in an article, you also in the pandemic year had to go through something that we've talked about on the podcast a lot previously was the restructuring of the minor leagues into an independent league. That had to have been, I'm sure it was like a frustrating, scary process. I'm curious how and what it was like as a player in that. Were you involved with the the league, or you? I'm I'm just that whole thing. We've only ever talked about it about how it affects mlb talent pipeline that kind right. of thing but what, what, the guys on the field i'm really curious about what happens when you're not one of the big hotshot prospects that's like going straight to double a and going to be a big leader what happens to the rest of us right that's yeah especially in that year where it seemed like this all falling apart and minor leaguers across the board were just getting totally thrown out by, by mlb it seems yeah honestly it was just it was just kind of sad like you know you'd hear about all these guys that you played with over the years losing their jobs. And for many guys, that was the last stop on the line. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was, they're done. It's, it's their, their career's over in a very unceremonious way. Right. Um, I'm lucky because I fast forward to this year. Um, I'm going to get to end my career on a high note, you know, and the way that I want to end it. And that's something that I was actually at. I'm in New York right now at Major League Baseball headquarters today, having lunch with Billy Bean, who's in charge of diversity, equity, inclusion at MLB. Um, and we were talking about that. Like, you know, he he mentioned to me how many players are, are bitter at the end of their career. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of exactly what happened when the minor leagues was restructured and the, all the COVID cuts, like over a thousand players lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I was tangled up in all that. I ended up going. So in March, the first week of March, 2020, if you look at my Instagram, you can see some cool videos from down in Chile. I was with a team playing exhibition games in Tocopilla, Chile um, against different teams down there. And I was, uh, about to sign to play, I was about to get a two-year contract to go back overseas. Um, and, you know, then we started, one guy pulled up a tweet on his phone when we got Wi-Fi at the airport and said, um, you know, uh, Rudy Go- Gobert, NBA player, test positive for coronavirus. And then we start seeing NBA shuts down. Um, all the college sports shut down. Um MLB spring training shuts down, minor league spring training shuts down. And our team was, I don't know if there's any way to actually prove this, but the last baseball team playing. Oh, jeez. Wow. Like, it was a very bizarre thing. And we knew we were getting shut down, too, but it just hadn't quite got to, like, deep South America yet. So um, I kind of had this eerie feeling that I wasn't, that two-year contract was not going to happen. And of course, that league, you know, the major leagues played a shortened season in 2020. Uh, the minor leagues didn't play, a, a independent leagues got screwed up too. So that was, I had to figure out what to do. I was sleeping on a futon in East Nashville <laughs> in a house with five guys and with pizza boxes on the floor and, you know, just kind of idling and down in the dumps. And I ended up getting a job being an assistant coach for a college summer team to just kind of get me through the summer. 
um, and and fought to to keep playing. And I, so to answer your question, I'm sorry for the the whole story there, but it's what um, you're here for. It's I had to think outside the box about mm -hmm. what am I gonna do, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm not a big prospect. I got to find a place. So I started to explore these leagues that are a little bit farther out. And I got a spot in the Guatemala Professional Winter Baseball League in uh, November of 2020. And, you know, so I just had to kind of think, think outside the box, you know, look for opportunities, be willing to go to places that were a little off the beaten path traditionally for professional baseball and, and just make the best of it. And I think because it's like you, I don't know if it's a, this is cliche. It, it may be a Babe Ruth quote. I may be totally flubbing it. Um, but like the only time I'm going to mess it up. Only time you, you truly lose is when you give up. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like you just mm -hmm. gotta, you gotta keep, it's the same thing with songwriting and it's exactly like baseball. You know, you just show up to the ballpark on any given day with the best that you got that day, right? Put your best foot forward. Some days you're not feeling too great, right? It's just like writing a song. Most days. Most, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the times you're like, and that's a common misconception as well. Like when I was a kid, I, I thought that, oh, wow, professional baseball players, they must feel so good every day. Right. And the, and the guys that you see on TV and actually it's the complete opposite. It's like those guys are there because they play 162 games a year. Um, most of the time they don't feel great, but they can perform well and they figure out how to tough it out when they're only at 75% or 80%, not a hundred percent, you know? And so it's, a uh, common misconception. And, and I think the reason why we're here today talking about this, the reason why I got it, even a chance to come out in baseball publicly is because I just refused to quit back when the shit hit the fan in 2020 and everybody lost their jobs. And a lot of guys, you know, they were just disgusted with baseball and, and, circumstances and and but i i really didn't want that to be the way that it ended for me you know i put mm -hmm. my blood sweat and tears into being a baseball player my whole life and i'm not the best guy in the world not the best player but i i was determined i i, I told even the team in guatemala i was like you know i don't care i'll be the bullpen catcher what do you need somebody to sweep the dugout like i'll coach the local youth team, like whatever you just anything, like put me to work, you know? And I was making mm -hmm. $300 a month in Guatemala and with a plate, with a bed to sleep and, and some food and, you know, so, and it's, so it wasn't glamorous, but it was, it allowed me to be where I am now. And, you know, this, I've talked to a lot of young baseball players who aspire to be to play professionally or in college if they're in high school. And I just say like, you know, being somebody who continues to show up, that's half the battle right there. Like in, there are days where you just don't feel like it, but yeah, it's, it's, gotta put it's the game the, face on. 
it's the it's the game of failure, right? Like you're yeah. you're gonna fail much more often than you succeed in this sport. So yeah. the people with that sort of you know attitude, mindset, that disposition to just like keep just keep on trucking like that, I think are the ones that find the most success, even even if, like you said, you know, you you're downplaying your skill but i i think it, it's really admirable that you just like survived all that like that was a that was a tough experience because yeah. you know yeah. so many yeah. there was just like incredible amounts of cuts mm-hmm. that it's just uh, yeah but you if you go through in baseball and in life you go through a tough experience whatever it is you come out stronger on the other side you know, and you get cool stories out of it. You have a much mm-hmm. cooler COVID story than we do. Yeah, <laughs> playing playing one of the last baseball games in the world for quite a, quite some time <laughs> kicks the shit out of like seeing an empty subway station. In my case, yeah, and now you're putting yourself through the grinder in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, it's Nashville <laughs> similar to baseball. Like you, it's actually worse yeah. odds. Like in baseball, yeah. you hit you get a hit three out of ten times. You're like an all star, or you're in the Hall of Fame, or something. You know, if you do that over a long stretch, but in Nashville, like if you write a hit song one out of a hundred times, you're amazing. Mm. Like, not even the mm-hmm. best songwriters can do that. You just yeah. have to, you really never know what's gonna like. Um, and I've just tried to, again, just keep showing up, meet lots of songwriters, write as many songs as I can for different artists. And the reason that I became an artist myself is I, I felt like through all that, through a couple hundred songs, you know, over a few years, I had a collection that was really true to me that Mm. just didn't feel right giving to somebody else. And so I put them out. I've been putting them out one by one as singles and my debut EP is going to come out in August called Diamonds Are Forever, which is a baseball. Hell yeah, (laughs) let's go. So we on batting around, we loved uh, baseball turns of phrase. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, and, and now that people know that I sing a lot of my songs, at least so far, this won't be a forever thing, but because I'm a baseball player now singing a lot of baseball related songs, we just put out a song called baseball country. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, I'm known as around Nashville. Everybody, if they have a baseball idea, like a pun, they're like what about this one what about that it's like i guys i can't do an album of 14 baseball songs why not (laughs) i mean diamond joe yeah welcome you uh we uh the baseball podcast are in direct competition with joe west as a peer and you are also Mm -hmm. in direct competition with joe west (laughs) as a peer Uh We're, we're slowly forming the anti-Joe West Media Alliance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to. That's great. You're 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 talking about people around Nashville like throwing ideas at you for for baseball songs. What is it like a is it like a group chat? Do y'all like just see each other at the bars? Like, how do you network in Nashville? I imagine there's like you you can't spit without running into a, someone in the music industry there. Yeah, like you land at B and A and or drive or whatever, get off the bus and. And uh, the person working at the airport is a songwriter and the Uber driver is a songwriter and the, you know, a valet at a hotel. Well, <laughs> I'm never at a hotel with an actual valet, but so, you know, like everybody's a songwriter. <laughs> so it's, uh, 
yeah, it's how do you meet people? Yeah, go out to different bars um, that people hang out at, and and it's all kinds of different places. And and then, you, like you said, it'll, it'll be a small group chat or or just a text or a, a DM on social media or, or whatever. You know, occasionally I'll get a drunk call like at two a.m. and somebody's like, "I got an idea." <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my impression is like the town itself is really small to uh, country artists like to call Nashville town. Like I just got back mm-hmm. into town, which yeah. personally I find really obnoxious. No offense, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, no, it's a it's a city. You're like <laughs> pretending it's a city. It's not really, but it's also not a town. Um, yeah. Just got to have my Nashville haterade. <laughs> but um, yeah. it's a city big enough for an MLB team. True. Yeah. One day. Yeah. It's a good exactly. Plan. But they should hire it's you. also like physically really bifurcated. Right. Like the music row is like this collection of office buildings on one side of town used to be pretty industrial. But when I was there about eight years ago, it was really gentrifying. So you have like the office buildings with all the record companies. You've got a bunch of bars around there, which those songwriters will go to. And like people have their weekly shows and that's where like, you know, maybe they'll get scouted. Uh, Vanderbilt's over there, the hospitals. um, that Christian college that all the country new country music artists are coming from, especially the queer ones that I'm blanking from right now. Belmont. Yeah. Yep. Belmont. Yeah. And then on the other side of town is sort of like the hipster side. And that's where a lot of the Americana artists live and a lot of like the working musicians are. I live in East Um, Nashville. You're correct. Yeah, exactly. Across the river, East Nashville, we have a house of three musicians. It's me, a drummer, keyboard player. We make a lot of music. Luckily, the drummer plays enough gigs that he doesn't actually practice that much at home. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, it would be like in the middle of the night, but it's all good. I got to get down there. I've never been in Nashville. Got to come down, come for a Nashville sounds game, come to um, uh, the Savannah Bananas game. There's many. I'm (laughs) going to be checking that schedule. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking around it, but I don't think we ever yeah. like fully, fully addressed it. Um, you're, you're a, a queer man in a, in two very unusual spaces for queer <laughs> men. Yeah. Hostile. Um, well, I, I might push back on that. Um, there are many queer people in both of those spaces. Mm-hmm. They just may not be out. And right. They may not mm-hmm. be safe. They may not. They may not feel safe being out. So, yeah. So you but, yeah. <laughs> you came out um, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, we came out publicly in twenty one cool. during the season. But I, I have been out privately to my friends mm-hmm. and family and my teammates in college actually since mm-hmm. I was twenty one. So, um, so what for- is what is it like being out to a team but not publicly that you're playing um, on it's it's uh that's that's an interesting one uh it's <laughs> you know i've done like a hundred interviews since mm-hmm. coming out publicly and nobody's actually asked me that in that way really like, it's yeah it's um it's it's really interesting like they they know so they're cool but yet like i still feel they my teammates have always been cool Mm -hmm. most people in the younger generation like they're okay with you know we've grown up with acceptance in in many places not all places but um you know 
they that it's it's been the older generation that's kind of where the issues have come from from coaches from i had an old coach who tell me in april 2021 i came out in towards the end of the season in 2021 but uh so very recently two years ago because uh, it's april 2023 now said if you ever post anything with your with your boyfriend or you speak about it publicly, you will never, ever get a job in baseball again. <laughs> what does the coach care? I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it came from, uh, actually, honestly, I think he wanted to protect me. You know, mm-hmm. he, thought mm-hmm. he was he was helping me. He's like, you know, we, we like you. You're a good player. We, we, we want to protect you, right? Mm-hmm. That's a very old school mentality. Yeah. And um, so I wrestled with that a lot. And I... And I finally just decided, like, I am finally confident in who I am and proud of who I am. And that's such a process mm-hmm. to get to, you know, no matter if you're any of the letters in the LGBTQ plus acronym. Right. So <laughs> I just decided I got to do this. And it really bugged me that I mm-hmm. I Googled gay baseball player in mm. summer 2021. And I couldn't find anybody who was playing at the pro level or the college level out publicly. And I, I looked a lot and pretty hard and, and, you know, I kept thinking, man, if, you know, I was, when I was that 14 year old kid who felt so alone all the time and like there was something that was wrong with me. Right. And, mm-hmm. and hated who I am. How I felt it would have been really nice to see someone playing on Sunday night, you know, on ESPN or um, in the big leagues. Like, yeah, who was out and proud of who they were. And they say, if you can see it, you can be it, right? So I just decided I kept waiting for a major leaguer to come out, and then that didn't happen. And I said, well, uh, I'm going to do it. You know, I, I may not be the best player in the world. I said that right away in the interview because, you know, I didn't want to create any false expectations that I'm going to be like the gay Hall of Famer, right? Right. Because, uh, honestly, we probably have had, we have mm-hmm. gay Hall of Famers, right? Mm-hmm. And all-stars and players on every team at every level across the sport, around the world, right? Because it's not a thing that... That is just based off of uh, geography or socioeconomic status or or race or whatever. It, it, LGBTQ transcends everything. So it's just kind of getting people to realize, like, you know, there are queer people in baseball. And we formed a charity called Proud to Be in Baseball, which is just a super grassroots effort. We launched on National Coming Out Day in 2021. And our goal is to empower the next generation of LGBTQ plus people in baseball. So we've, we've been doing small events and, and gradually building. And it's, it's very much a process. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of work to mm-hmm. put this whole thing together. You're not going to be, you can play overnight. Yeah. 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 They, there's all these. And again, it's, I, I wrestled with, should we do this or not? And there's all these charities, LGBTQ charities and sports charities and a few who sort of dabble in in both, but I didn't see anything that was directly helping just specifically focused on the baseball world. 
Mm-hmm. I believe that the baseball world is big enough that there really should be, it's, it's a lifetime of work around LGBTQ plus inclusion in baseball to be done. And there, there should be an entity that with that sole purpose is just to do that. So that's what we created. And we're going to be all around. I'm going to be back here in New York um, in May or in, well, May and June, um, June for Mets pride. And last summer I took 17 flights in the month of June alone. Holy so, crap. Yeah, it was, a, it was exhausting, but it was meaningful. And mm-hmm. to go to different pride nights and to speak in front of different groups and, um, in baseball and, and this year it's going to be more, you know, we're trying to amplify mm-hmm. our efforts and, and make an impact and, and start to, sh- to show that you can be queer and be in baseball. And, and I, I think, uh, maybe you could even make it a case, uh, based on something you pointed out about your experience that there might even be some, uh, sabermetric advantages. I think you said the season <laughs> that you came out. Um, of the closet to your teammates, your batting average went up uh, 0.90 um, points. Yeah, 90. I think I went from two to something. It was, it was, I was approaching the Mendoza line, which was not good. I, I got it up there um, and then it finished the season at 335. Okay. So, like, if a guy in, in like the minors and majors like changed the brand of their shoe and had that kind of jump, every team in the major league would, would start wearing that shoe. Yeah. So maybe, you know, there's probably some there's probably some by guys in the majors. Let's um I gave let, a let's... speech to um I I told that exact literally what you said, what you just said. I spoke in front of the Mets front office and mm-hmm. leadership group last year. The <laughs> Mets are a team that spends, as you know, hundreds of millions of dollars trying to get these guys who are will make them one percent better. Right, mm-hmm. it translate into one extra hit, one extra run, one extra win that can get them over the hump. And so I said, guys, I let's use me as a test example. I am someone. It there's a caveat though. Who who come who came out and was accepted. Right, mm-hmm. I was surrounded by with love from my teammates and from people around me. So I, I'm an example of someone of the good that can come if if you are. You come out and it goes well. So let's create an environment where more players can come out and it will translate into more, more runs, more hits and more wins, you know, more playoff appearances. Like Mm -hmm. let's, why are we spending hundreds of millions of dollars to get these people that'll, that'll make the team 1% better when, when I am telling you right now, you've got three or four who are in the 40 man roster who are in the LGBTQ community and a dozen in the minor leagues on your team, you know, they're on every team at every level. And Mm -hmm. it's something that teams just, uh, and I've had, I spoke to a few major league baseball general managers about this and they kind of look at me like with this sort of strange look after I say that, I was like, yes, this is, you know, we're, like it is wild to me that this is a hard concept to grasp. <laughs> yeah. It is not hard to grasp. Like not at all. People at play all. better when they are comfortable and not like anxious feel supported. about yeah. shit. Yeah. And when they feel like their guys have their back. Like yeah. it's yeah. not to get here. That, you, play, you play better when you're the best version of yourself possible. So we need to help people do that. 
that all that said, I completely agree. All that said, I don't know if the Mets is the front office I want <laughs> handling the analytics side of this. Can you please pitch this to like the Rays yeah, and yeah, yeah. the Dodgers? I think we want them doing the math, the number crunching on this more than yeah. Have yeah. have them do it, and Deal. then the the rest can copy their work. Deal. Well, what do you think is stopping them? Like you were meeting with Billy Bean today. Like what? are they doing structurally have MLB committed to anything as a result of these discussions? I mean, to the extent that you can talk about, but I think the the biggest message that I'm trying to convey this year is that pride in baseball is not a pride night. It's not a one day a year thing. One game out of 162 games, you know, where they sell a bunch of rainbow merchandise and none of the money goes back to help actual LGBTQ organizations and you know slap a rainbow flag on rainbow logo on it sell the merch get the crowd in they leave the next day it's dollar hot dog night or whatever you know <laughs> or greek heritage night or like you know star wars night or what any of the nights right it's mm-hmm. a, right now it's thought of mm-hmm. as a promotion right yeah. and and what real pride is in baseball is you need to have some systems and policies in place. And this is what I've been trying to say to everybody that I, everybody willing to listen that actually help real life LGBTQ plus people succeed in the sport. And so I think major league baseball is in a tough position because, um, MLB corporate is, is an entity that sort of has to answer to the owners. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. So, and all of these owners are come from different places and, and, you know, who knows what they think about LGBTQ plus issues. We know, some we, we know, know pretty good. We yeah. know what some of them think. Some of them are pretty good. We've, we've worked with, I mean, our charity, I, I have nothing but good things to say about the Mets and the Orioles. And there's a whole list of them that we've worked with mm-hmm. that are really Ooh, talk shit, talk shit. Who, who, who's bad. Who's bad. Who's <laughs> bad. Um, well, the, the Rangers have never done a pride night. Mm. I would love for them. I, I would love, I think there are a lot of people in the Rangers organization who want to, you know, but mm-hmm. I think it's definitely a message that comes from the top that, you know, that's sort of why. And, and, you know, it's like I said, it, it's the owners that are the ones that really need to be convinced. And, yeah. and, but I think that the issue really is, is, We've seen some of the stuff that's happened in the NHL recently with Pride Nights mm-hmm. and backlash. And yeah. I think that I think sorry to jump in. I think uh, like something very important to highlight about what's going on in the NHL is they're the only ones that do that. Like of of all the sports, right? They're the only ones that have like, oh hey, here's you know your rainbow jersey, go wear it, like. It, in a way it like it's it's really shitty that all these guys are like opting out for like fake hiding behind christianity reasons because they want to basically like demonstrate publicly that they are hateful yeah, I women's think, soccer but, does it too i think yeah. it um it really you know these pride night blowups that we've seen in the media uh-huh. are are always surrounded always centered on one or two individuals from the team. Whereas we, we have to mm-hmm. take a stack and say, okay, 10 years ago, this or 20 years ago or 30 mm-hmm. years ago, this was not happening. There was no pride night. 
Now exactly. Most of the people on the team are supportive. There'll always be a few that are outspoken against it. And those are the ones that who get, you know, that's what you see in the media. But I think that that pro sports leagues, whether it's the NHL or MLB, are now a little bit scared of that public backlash. So they're mm-hmm. backing off, which is really sad. Yeah. Because they're backing off of of Pride Night. And and I guess what I try have tried to say, what I was saying today at MLB was let's let's think of Pride Night as a way to activate a whole group of people that mm-hmm. don't really have too many reasons to care about baseball. Mm-hmm. Like take Little League, mm-hmm. for example. I was a 14-year-old kid who felt all alone. It, it, it would have been – it would have changed my life if I had been able to see somebody like me. Yeah. And because of the environment that we have in, in baseball now, that you, there are no out active MLB players. You know, you, you can't see that. So why would a little kid be interested mm-hmm. in baseball? You know, mm-hmm. you Famously, to- like – uh, my my baseball origin story I starts when I'm in like college because my entire childhood is like oh nah this ain't for me yeah you need to have a reason to become invested in the sport yeah I think that it's a real long term miss swing and a miss um, <laughs> because I don't know what the I I saw obviously. Everybody has different statistics, but I saw something on social media that said 20% of our youngest generation now identifies as LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And and that is a huge and ever-growing group of people as acceptance becomes more of a mainstream thing and, and everybody starts to come out and it's a real swing and a miss for baseball to not be thinking about this group of people and not be doing everything that it can possibly do to activate this, this um, group of not only players, but fans like it, it's, there's a lot of populations that baseball needs help activating. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, we think about only a few decades ago when I just rewatched the movie 42, mm-hmm. um, the other day and and you know i came away with it thinking oh my god like people actually used to say oh black players can't play baseball they're not good at baseball right and here we are several decades later and many of the best players in the history of the game have been black players well it could be i dream about a future in which when i'm a senior citizen Hopefully, it's still alive <laughs> in a couple decades. Yeah, um, where many of the best players in the game are have publicly identified as part of the queer community. They're because they're there, and it's it's like mm-hmm. so so backwards and old school kind of, and and you know it's and like it's America's pastime. We're way past time to have. LGBTQ inclusion on a bigger scale in our sport. And somebody needs to make it happen. It is really fun watching you give your pitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving the pitch a lot. So. <laughs> yeah. And to your point, I love the idea of getting to be in like an older person looking back on the history of the game and mm-hmm. looking back at the first people, like the first major league player, the first big league players, the first stars mm-hmm. who come out of the closet. 
And I really hope one day I get to look back on those people and, and go, ah, he was a bum. Get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be awesome. It's, it's all the things that we do with our favorite players to root for them and, or boo them or, or buy their mm-hmm. jersey. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. to, to have somebody in our community who who you can do that for, that that would mean a lot. Hell yeah. And it's inevitable. I, I I have I have made the pronunciation the proclamation to several people that the first out MLB player I'm getting his jersey I don't care who it is yep. and oh god do I really hope it's not on a team I hate <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah we're gonna make sure it's someone in the NL East just not not, not me. that's funny that's really good uh, um we have a few questions from our Discord if okay. that's cool okay. Um, because they're obviously also excited to have you on here, much like we are. Um, so I'm going to run through a few of those, uh, uh, from Boyd, Boyd Destroy, uh, 666. Okay. Uh, <laughs> who are your musical influences? We have, I don't think we, we, we got to that yet. Growing up, my dad had a, one of those CD players in his car that only that could rotate between a few, and it was Bruce Springsteen, John Mellencamp, and Jimmy Buffett. So I was sort of classic influenced by that before I even knew what it what what I wanted to do in music. Um, Hell yeah! More, more recently, it's it's kind of a combination of of, um, of early Kenny Chesney, Tim McGraw. Um, mixed with a little bit of rock i mean you see the hair like uh mm-hmm. aerosmith 80s arena rock like queen so and you can hear that on my most recent single too baseball mm-hmm. country it's kind of rocking it's kind of like so i guess but i'm still kind of just trying to discover like what my brand of of country music is i'm not necessarily trying to copy any of those people but i'm definitely influenced by them as well as some other, my the first um, first concert I ever went to um, was a, a Lady Antebellum, now Lady A, a show, and and the opening act was Casey Musgraves. Oh, nice! <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that that uh, that made an impression too from a from a pretty early age. Yeah, I was I was again doing my research, uh, checking out your music, and I noticed yeah that there isn't. There isn't like a single style through there. And I, I liked that you're switching it up and you're like finding yeah. your sound, I guess. I'm still early. Like it's mm-hmm. it's, been, it's an evolving process. And there are, there's a whole bunch of, I was talking to um, Hunter Kelly from Apple Country Pride Radio mm-hmm. um, and I'm talking about this and I have like a whole album's worth of, of more queer focused country songs. This is kind of like my baseball project as I wrap up my baseball career and diamonds are forever. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it's very much telling a story of that period of my life. And, and, but I definitely want to dive into more serious topics like coming out and, and love and everything. And so I'm, I'm still, it's an ever evolving thing. I'm not going to limit myself to try to define, you know, just one part of one genre. Mm-hmm. Baseball and country music are both games of adjustment. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's well said. Yeah. From Cat in the Discord, who has the best taste in walk-up music, judging as a musician yourself? Follow-up slash alternate question, 
would you ever use your own music as your walk-up music <laughs> i don't know uh <laughs> i i think the guys on my team would never let me live that down <laughs> I, I don't know if i could pull that off i'm not that cool <laughs> uh who has the best taste um well i always remember always remember as a kid chase utley walking up to zeppelin you gotta have <laughs> regardless of what it is i think it's gotta be iconic like or mariano yeah. rivera or, yeah mm-hmm. or it could be wild thing from major league even though he's not mm-hmm. a real player like a real life thing that was the iconic moment yeah totally yeah they I don't know. It's it depends on per- personal preference. I'm really hoping, fingers crossed, you know, somebody uses my song for a walk up song. It's not gonna be me because I'm not right. Guys would never let me. Well, what what do you use or what have you used? I use uh, Ruby by the Kaiser Chiefs in college. Hell yeah! It's like <laughs> Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. That was that was what I used then. Um, I used Long Live by Florida Georgia Line. I use the intro segment because it's like a really cool little riff and you only get five seconds as Mm -hmm. or eight seconds. So like by the time the music actually started, it was pretty much done, but it kind of like, I'm a very melody focused person. Like I'm the melody guy when I write with different artists. So um, it just had like a cool little hooky melody that I really got, got me in the right mind set to hit like forget everything else going on time to hit so it's not so it isn't just a statement it's a it's for yourself as well yeah it's like how you want to feel like some guys get really amped up uh especially pitchers especially relief pitchers right they're like Mm -hmm. they because they have to just go hard for one inning right but for me as a hitter i wanted something that's like uplifting but a little more chill to kind mm-hmm. of just like bump me up a little bit but not like you can't hit when you're to like death metal right right <laughs> it's like you're squeezing the bat and you're choking the bat and you're like mm-hmm. you know you can't have the football mentality you gotta groove but yeah you just gotta like relax and see the ball and so that that's what helped me um, like Pete Alonzo in the home run derby. <laughs> Alonzo like doing uh, uh, deadlifts like in between sets. We <laughs> reference that I think like every other episode. Pete Alonzo was somebody who had a Mets pride shirt on. We were really yep. oh, that's right. Pete Interesting. Not what I would door. expect. Yep, and he and he seems chill. Had it on during batting practice, and oftentimes like. It's it's a subtle statement like that that, mm-hmm. that helps move the needle forward. Not to bring it Absolutely. back to the pride conversation, but no, no, we're mm-hmm. I it, it kind of reminds me um, of a question that I meant to ask. Now I'm not I'm not saying I'm going to ask you what major league players have you been communicating with, with uh, like pride about pride, and I'm not saying oh who's gay. Right. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. saying like who's receptive to the discussion who's like cool who was there any is there has there any been anybody notably like engaged in what you're trying to do who is in the game right now we would love to get in better touch with major certain major Mm -hmm. leaders um uh, 
William Hendricks has been a big supporter of mm-hmm. ride initiatives in baseball, right? Even saying that he wouldn't sign with the team if they didn't do a pride night. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Sean. Oh, Duke. I remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, there have been guys, I mean, we, we're still reaching out to people like, you know, it would be a, it would be awesome for our tiny little charity. If we had a major leaguer who's hitting balls 450 feet and playing on TV and has millions of followers, reposting our stuff and promoting us like that's a big goal i i wish and most of because of who i am and my connections in baseball most of the people we have communicated with are minor leaguers Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so but that's how it starts you got to start somewhere Mm -hmm. and one day some of those people are going to be major leaguers so it'll keep building absolutely yeah it's all about the growth yeah on that important note from Unfortunate pilot dude. Mr. Ruby, if you were a pitcher, who would you strike out on three pitches? Oh, and God. who would they be? If I was a pitcher. I'm competitive, so if I was a pitcher, I'd want to face Aaron Judge. Hell yeah. <laughs> and the ball would be still going. <laughs> Just like enter orbit. <laughs> enter orbit on its way to the moon and then Mars with Elon Musk. Like, yeah. Uh, that's but I'm competitive and I would want to take a shot at it this this summer we're honorable we're playing our team is going to play against the czech team from the world baseball classic that's so So cool i'm likely going to get to hit against the guy who struck out shohei otani so i'm ready i'm that's you know i'm i'm ready for that i don't know (laughs) that's so cool you'll have to keep us updated i'll keep you posted when he strikes me out yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh um rachel lauren anything else no i i think this has been super awesome thank you for your time yeah uh yeah i had i had one question from i had it in the discord but i'll ask it again uh maybe it can be outro music um is there a queer country artist you'd like to give a shout out to oh yeah oh man so many of them um first of all shelly wright and ty herndon for being those early, well, really, honestly, Patrick Haggerty from Lavender Country, who's no longer with us, right? Her country music Mm -hmm. has gone back a while. But in the mainstream, Shelley Wright, Ty Herndon, um, I'm about to do a very cool project with Ty for Pride Month that is going to be announced soon. That's so cool. Congrats. um, Thank you. More recently, uh, Brooke Eden, um, Brothers Osborne, Love them. Shelly Tackett. I love Shelly Tackett. Great songwriter. Shelly Fairchild. I mean, there are a lot of young people in Nashville. Willie Rose is great. Um, did you name, did you just list three people named Shelly? Yeah. And they're, it's funny because they're all spelled different, differently. Oh, damn. <laughs> I was texting Shelly Tackett the other day and I was like, I had to figure out which way hers was spelled. <laughs> that's so funny like like googling her and like texting her um but uh yeah it's it's uh i just met paisley fields yesterday like i I, i'm trying to meet all the out artists in in country and and you know we have to kind of find our space and claim our space so it's Mm -hmm. a real it's a real challenge but gotta take them all to a game yeah everybody go to the savannah yeah (laughs) you could form many softball teams uh, there's a lot of different circles of queer country artists too. And, uh, right. you know, this is an interesting moment because they're all starting to, uh, get the spotlight they deserve. Everybody's, 
got their own thing, but we're all there. Yeah. And the, one of one of the people on the forefront of getting the spotlight that they deserve is you, uh, Rachel. Ah, uh, shucks. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you, t- yeah. why don't you talk about Rainbow right. Rodeo? Yeah, I'll plug my thing real quick. Uh, so we we all, all can get the dollar dog night. Um, yeah. So I edit a zine and weekly email newsletter called Rainbow Rodeo. And uh, if I can finish it over spring break, launching a website itself. Um, it's all queer country music and news. And, um, you know, I really hope that it focuses on the community and gets a lot of input from fans. Um, and I'm hoping to help uh, people learn how to do music journalism as well so we can get that generation going to that next wave. Oh, yeah. It's been very informative. I oh. I I discovered that I didn't hate country like two years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. country isn't just about America and pickup trucks. Cool. I can get into this. Maybe it's a lesson here about rediscovering things you thought you hated in high school. Baseball, country music. We can, yeah. we can do that introspection later. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Karen Pittleman of Karen the Sorrows likes to say that, you know, it's hard to love country music when it doesn't love you back. Um, and I think this podcast has brought a lot of people back to baseball or to it for the first time. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that, you know, this episode can help people find country music that doesn't actively want to harm them as well. Yes. That's very well said. Like, like I said before, much better said than I could have said. <laughs> Speaking of one other artist, I forgot to shout out that was in Rainbow Rodeo, Sarah Peacock. Um, yeah, I'm writing with Sarah uh, in about a week for the first time since she, she just had a, a baby. So I'm um, I'm really excited mm-hmm. about that. Um, and I, I left out a few too that uh, mm-hmm. Ain Joseph, Chris Hausman as well, mm-hmm. who have been championing LGBTQ people in country music i mean they're everybody's got their own spin on it but it's it's a world that's emerging and and i'm proud to be a part of it that that rules hell yeah i just wrote down all those names i'm like oh okay let's check these out <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll put a playlist together um yeah brian you've got so much going on um what i know we talked about a lot of it but like we're at the end here. Let's let's hear your plugs. What are your, what what's the next step? What's the next step for me? Um, well, first and foremost, because it's a baseball podcast, go check out Proud to Be in Baseball at Proud to Be. It's a lot to type in. <laughs> Proud to be in baseball on social media uh, and at Proud Base Proud Baseball on Twitter because there were too many letters <laughs> to be Proud to be baseball, but. Um, my personal stuff is Brian Ruby, Brian with a Y, Ruby with a Y, Brian Ruby official, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, all the things, brianrubymusic.com. And if you listen to my music, if you if you see our charity out in a, at a game or a different event this summer, come say hello, and we, we'd love to meet y'all, and uh, we'd love for, for the listeners of, of this podcast and everybody to be part of our inclusive brand of baseball well said thank you (laughs) that that is gonna do it for this week's batting around thank you so much to rachel and brian for coming on thanks for having us let's go yankees (laughs) you can bleep that out (laughs) thank you i think my wife was booing from the other room too (laughs) Uh, all right everybody take care all right be safe Oh,
in the schoolyard Is that box of 45s at your cousin's house That you turned on, cranked up and wore them all out It's waking up the snow on Christmas Day The last pick kid with the winning play Is that first real kiss in the dashboard light Didn't see it coming but it changed your life Every honky tonk, every dive bar, just 